0: Program. It's Jackie here alongside the TV Foundation team and Abby. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are kind
1: of TV Foundation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, oh, I, the alumni. alumni. I feel like it's
2: Abby. like a Feet Abby,
0: like Feet Featuring, sort of Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Feet Abby. So, of course, Sarah, screen director, Cameron. Right. The Hi. MD of the TV Festival and the TV Foundation. It's also official, I'm sorry. It is, I know, and when I'm we get job
2: too. titles into it, it does. <laughs> but you're right, you <laughs> know. But, but, but we're also people.
0: This is true. Yeah. And um, yes, episode two. So it was Campbell will be talking with Nick Coop. I nearly said Coupe, but I was corrected.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I'd like to think maybe he could have a little alter ego and I'm sure he was listening, he'd agree. Like kind of like coupe might be his kind of
1: French spy
2: name. or his French name, but like when he's undercover uh, and he's drinking a lot of champagne yeah. out of a coupe glass.
1: Like well, maybe in a is. in a
2: tux, You know, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that from it. Um, yeah.
1: He it does was, have one of those great. voices. He has a spy voice, I think.
2: You know what you're right.
1: Yeah. He's kind of like quiet and calm at all times.
2: Ooh. Yeah. It'd be good if things get really rough with this situation we find ourselves in. I would find his voice very soothing Mm -hmm. if he was announcing, you know, things are getting worse. I'd want to hear it from Nick.
1: Yeah, he does have a Radio 4 voice. Maybe he should look into that. He does.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's quite nice.
2: Yeah. we're going to get to hear that voice fairly soon. (laughs) (laughs) And again, this is why... (laughs) Why is that funny? Is that
0: just a really shit segue? No, it was just such a smooth transition. It was very smooth. nice. Hey, well... (laughs) From you, I'd like, you know, I'll take a bit of a pro. so we
2: um this is kind of from the archives, it's not from that long ago, but Nick and I got together last autumn uh, to have this chat and it was um a lot of fun. Um, I think we're both a couple of fairly apologetic uh white men. Um so that was there was definitely a moment there was a moment in this where we sort of we debate the relative Merits of Seinfeld, and it felt very like, oh my god, this is this is a core podcast material um, in terms of like classic uh, well, one about Seinfeld. But the rest of it is is very good and, and groundbreaking. And Abby
0: worked with me. Right.
1: Yeah, I did. We actually worked quite close together at points um, because uh, we worked on some Edinburgh podcast material together. Uh, yes. He was my right hand man when we were doing that. Not Edinburgh TV Festival, Edinburgh Comedy Festival. Yes. Um, and, yeah, we sat near each other a lot when I was at the BBC. We chose to hot desk near each other, which shows yeah. that we liked each other's company. I liked. Good they?
2: stuff. You're both good people. I think if more people in TV were like you and Nick, that would be nice, I think. That would be good, the industry.
1: Yeah, but I don't want more people like me because I like being special.
2: <laughs> okay no true true yeah Yeah.
0: obviously you Nothing want to be happened. like
2: the one the one out of and also uh, Nick is uh, a comedy producer but also a podcast specialist so if you are looking for podcast recommendation Nick uh, produced uh, Jacob Hawley on drugs oh, which represents. is on um, BBC Sounds so check that out that's uh,
0: some of Nick's uh, handy work Sarah what's what, what's the news schemes wise what is the news well uh, we're still open for applications for the network on one sort. watch. Um, so if you are wanting to get into TV or you work on TV already, you to supercharge your career. Uh, those are schemes for you. Um, so if you go on our website, go on our socials, we have got lots of stuff going on, lots of content we are putting out as well as this um, to help you uh, write a good application. Um, we we'll really will hear from you. So uh, yeah, my
2: way, please. <laughs> that sounds good, and yeah. And Nick himself did once to watch. So, if you want to be a, one person who is being watched, uh, yeah, get stuck in. Hello, Nick. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I feel like we're getting back on the get with the program horse yeah so i'm very excited to talk to you as a comedy producer about things you've made things you like yeah um and maybe sort of lifting a little bit of a veil of the mystery of how people can you know one day say i i too am a comedy producer i okay. don't it could all be holograms yeah time, but some <laughs> people are listening to this who knows but um but sort of growing up you, like right? what sort of role did sort of television have in your house? What your sort of earliest sort of TV memories? Um I sort because I actually came to working in TV relatively late. I mean I say that I'm 30 now and whenever I say that people are sort of I think a bit frustrated by the fact that I feel like I've had a long illustrious career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of people I mean are like 30, they are <laughs> but yeah. But um i th- I remember my dad, like before he met my mum, used to work as a sort of studio audience manager, so okay. he used to like get people in to top of the pops. this is like in the seventies um and he did forty towers oh my god I mean, yeah, yeah, big claims fame and then he met my mum and had to get a proper job, and who knows maybe if he'd stayed and become a channel controller i'd have, I'd have had a slightly easier career but um so that was always I dunno, we always used to watch TV as a family together. I remember watching shows like Forty Towers or Dad's Army. Yeah, as a family. Mainly comedy and sort of um I'm always used to love those shows that my dad, my mum, my brother and me would all enjoy. And I that sounds sort of so uh vague, but that sort of universality to something, which I think is Sort of more and more rare now, or something, yeah. Like literally, the whole family can. Like I don't know where families in jokes are getting created right now because that I feel like it's often a weird throwaway line, not necessarily the famous lines from mm-hmm. famous albums, but it might be like a, a thing which, if you all watch together, you know, it kind of it becomes shorthand, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, were you so your dad wasn't doing the studio audience stuff when you were around? You, so, no, he it's more you've heard the stories, but in a way. Did that make T V feel a little less distant to you, to have someone to kind of break down this sense of there's an audience, people come in? I think I remember um we'd sort of go we went once to watch a recording of um I don't know what radio show it was, but I remember going to um, the radio theatre and knowing, you know, that you sort of you're not guaranteed a ticket, you have to get there early and all of this. Yeah, and that sort of excitement about it and oh, I'll right, with Going to go and, and I don't remember anything about the show itself. No idea what it was, but I remember that being a little sort of yeah peek behind the curtain. Yeah, and not because anyone knew anyone, but just because he knew that that existed that you could go. And I guess that's probably quite a valuable thing to sort of know that these that you can go and be in the audience of a TV show or a radio comedy or whatever. And, and yeah, um, but it never felt it never really felt like something I could do. I think, weirdly, even though then uh, when I went to uni and did lots of sort of theatre and that sort of thing and was putting shows on, it never felt like a sort of open career path. I guess I didn't know anyone. So you were doing it for its own sake and they're like oh, I enjoy doing this, but I don't think that once I leave here I'm going to yeah, be able to, to it really out Yeah, yeah. get a proper job and yeah, yeah that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, and I think that was sort of probably why I then went and got most nice proper job rather than you know going no I am going to go and do whatever it is I don't know how you get into TV these days but um, yeah I mean that's and <laughs> I think that's the thing we you going to people and that's why it's kind of interesting doing this for me you sort of find out there is no there is no one journey mm-hmm. but there are certain common threads or things that people kind of piece together and a couple of sort of do's and don'ts You sort of mention getting a proper job what, what was that no well, exactly yeah it's not that proper i worked i was a an agent's assistant okay in an actor's agency so when um I went to union, I did English and theater, and then every time I came back from the holidays, I'd try and get some sort of work experience like how, how would life. how would you how would you convince people how would you do that it was just sort of a lot of the time it would be i remember i went to my mum was a teacher. And she tore uh, a guy whose dad was a musical director on Phantom of the Opera. Okay. okay. So I remember that like yeah. weird sort of link of, of I think at a parent's evening or something, that mum had mentioned this. And then yeah. all of a sudden I, would, I went and spent a month or so sort of shadowing because I was rehearsing new cast. And that that sort of thing where then, I think the age I ended up writing to a lot of... Um, uh, agent I can't remember how I met Moira but um, yeah, ended up going and doing some work experience there. Literally about a week of of filing stuff yeah. and seeing how the agency worked. And she would never let me live down the fact I turned up on the first day in a suit. I I did that my first interview for a runner job. I turned up in a suit, and that was the focus of the entire interview. I was, <laughs> I, was I was I would say light, lightly bullied. Yeah. Um, for it and it is it is hard it comes up a lot like what's the right thing to wear yeah and in TV almost always it's never a suit it's certainly never a tie no I think yeah unless it's a funeral yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that I remember uh, yeah so I did some work experience there and then every holiday after that I'd come back and i should um, have loads of filing and that sort of stuff she was sort of a one man band at the time yeah and was trying was setting up bigger so then when I left uni she said oh do you want to come I think it was part-time at first maybe mm-hmm. and just sort of be a proper assistant there <laughs> did you make that impact essentially in that first week of work experience in a way that made her think oh yeah like get that play back I guess so yeah yeah that sort of yeah actually because again I say proper job but it's it's for that's a bit of a dream isn't it like going Working an yeah, agency to a place and, and yeah. office and, and, and having yeah. a role and yeah. um, being sort of taken seriously like that—that that was that was great. So yeah, I ended up there for about four years. Ended up sort of taking on some of my own clients as well. So um, that was brilliant. But then I realised, I think, I think I've had this realisation a couple of times when you sort of think this isn't what I want to do forever. So what and am I doing in that world as well, it's, it's more a clear track, isn't it? Yeah. Like, especially opposed of this TV where it's choose your own adventure. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, agent system. Mm-hmm. And then there is, you, know, you yeah. know, that ends up being an agent. It? Yeah. You and know? then I guess you can either take that agency you're working for to be one of the big ones or go and join, you know, United, Pierce yeah. Brown or whatever. And it's, it wasn't, um, that wasn't how I could see my life sort of playing yeah. out, um, so yeah so I decided and that was again the sort of uh, brave in hindsight but I don't really know if I if I was <laughs> thinking clearly at the time I just sort of said I don't want to do this and I've got all this commitment to these people that I'm representing yeah. and to the agency as a whole so I sort of said you know gave him my notice about Anything really to go to, or any idea of how. Oh wow, so it was just like, like I just I know this isn't right, that yeah. is brave. And I think that's probably my fault for sort of uh, that responsibility of thinking like, I don't want to phone the 10 actors that I'm representing up tomorrow. And be yeah, like, out you go, you're on your own. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I wore a suit on my last day as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nice bookend. Yes. <laughs> Fundamentally Nick is a smart guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, so then I headed out into to make my fortune in TV. Yeah. And what was what was the first sort of TV job? Um well this was I knew 'cause I sort of vaguely knew a few people the agency at the time was more sort of theatre focused. Okay. So I knew a couple of telecasting directors, but not really and again, I didn't want to go into the casting side of it. So I didn't really have a network at all. I knew one person from school who worked for um, NBC Universal. Okay, So I met her for a coffee and she sort of said, oh, well, you know, because NBC has lots of different companies uh, doing different things. And she said, oh, well, I'll you know, I'll email around the people I know and see if anyone's looking for any work experience. And one of them was um, at his company... Called Lucky Giant, which is a they don't they're not around anymore. Um, they were their sort of NBC's UK scripted comedy wing. Yeah, that does sound like someone used like the TV company name generator on that one. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's, like, that sounds, it, like, that, sounds like, that sounds like a thing. Lucky all, Giant, yeah. It right, yeah, a thing in the description. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so we uh, I went there for a couple of weeks, and that's actually weirdly because that was there were four people there, and they're all still like quite influential in comedy but in different places so it was a really good place to go and spend yeah. two weeks in this sort of weird made up company but knowing that those people I'd still sort of i still see socially and, and, and meet at showcases and that sort of thing It's yeah. it a bonding experience I'm yeah like, do you remember when we
0: went that place and was that about yeah. yeah it's
2: like open plan office where I think we were next to theme park so, like, oh my god it's very it's, pretty, it's very succession <laughs> yeah, yeah so whenever I hear parks now that's what I think of
0: uh
2: yeah um but then yeah from that um I did two weeks work experience and then Carnival Films which a big drama company yeah. also owned by NBC they had a runner scheme at the time which they'd sort of I don't know if they still do but they um would have three runners at any one time it was a year's contract and um they were interviewing for it and because it was a sister company, uh, Ben at Lucky Giant could say, oh, this this guy's done some good work experience yeah. for us. So, yeah, I went in and I was um, a runner there for a year and sort of considerably older than all the other runners and I think that allowed me to sort of, the fact that I'd already it, had a life there, it, yeah and, you know how a new office is what i can look like yeah. and how to, yeah, not to wear a suit. Huh. Um, so, yeah, but I, I could, progress a bit quicker I think then yeah and like sort of for people who are sort of thinking about being a, a runner like what's what's good about being a runner because it seems like a bit like on oh, like sort of starting off but there, there are some sort of advantages
0: aren't there in terms of what you can learn
2: yeah I mean what I loved I then after, when I left Carnival I went um, as a, a floor runner and a production runner for a bit and I loved that time because it's the best opportunity to just sort of see how everything works and to spend time on a set like realising what everyone's doing. And obviously you don't have a real insight into the, you know, the comings and goings of of what certain departments are doing. But I think it's a really useful time to just go like, okay, well, this is what production are doing and that's sort of the hierarchy. So you work your way up to there and that's the end goal, like being a line producer. is, Is that what I want? Maybe not. The other way, you know, if you're a floor runner, you work your way up and then being a first AD, is that... Is that what you want? And yeah. I think that's a really useful position to be in, where you can talk to everyone, see yeah. how everyone's got where they are. Look at the maze from the outside a little bit. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's what I find sort of so... That's what I did find so daunting about TV, I think, is that it's this enormous... When you walk past and see a film crew or a TV crew filming something, you just can't begin to understand what all those people are doing. Yeah. So to actually go out and spend a day on, on a set. Um, I think as well, because now like working as a producer and trying to pursue that career, I think no, none of it's wasted time because, you know, having spent a year in an office is a really good understanding of that side of it. And then having spent however long as a runner you sort of, you know your way around a set. Yeah. And I think there are some producers that I've, I've worked with or, or know that haven't, Done that route, and might yeah. be a lot better if they've spent all their time in an office in development or something. They'll be better at that side of it. But then when you get out on a set, they don't know. <laughs> yeah, because it's so I think in, there's a lot of impatience, isn't there in TV, yeah. particularly early on, when people there's a self-imposed sense of like, well, I need to do this by this amount of years in the industry, and actually, yeah. Yeah. you can sort of get caught out if you go up too quickly. I think yeah, some people find. I think so, definitely. Yeah. So what was the what was the first program you worked on then? <laughs> um. So, when I left Carnival, I did. I was a floor runner in sort of dailies for a couple of things. I did Cool Midwife and um, Lucky Man, which was. Yeah, with James uh, but yeah. Was
0: that Stan Lee thing? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, Sky. Yes. Yeah, it was, yeah, yes. it was um, an idea by Stan Lee that then, um, yeah, was this big sort of drama, and that was great. I think floor on that with, you know seeing that that world. Um so bits and bobs like that. But then I went what the was it the production manager? no the production manager in-house at Carnival, her husband was is a production manager in film and he was setting up Bridget Jones. Ah. So she put a word in for me and for the for the, for the three core. What's coming out baby? Bridget Jones's baby. Yes. Yeah. 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 So then I went and did in the end over a year as production manager on that. Wow, which is great. How TV and film obviously are different. Mm-hmm. I think some people who might be listening to this, sort of on the outside, might not know what what the differences are. What were the, what were the sort of key differences you found? Um, well, I've sort of done it almost the wrong way around a bit, starting because I did Bridget Jones, Jason Bourne, and uh, <laughs> Spectre, a James Bond film. Wow, I did that in locations for a bit. Um, so I started in big films and then went into TV comedy, yeah, and then went into radio comedy. So I've sort of gone from you know film with two hundred people yeah. running around to TV with twenty people running around to radio comedy with yeah. two. So <laughs> but I mean, that's the main. Is part. that is that is that is that more Nick? Do you think? I think at this point, yeah, because it's yeah. a lot more. I, I like. I really like the camaraderie being on a set and doing a long shoot with people yeah. like everyone equally tired and and bored of you know waking up at five in the morning to drive in yeah. the middle of nowhere um but I like I like with radio and with sort of I've done a lot of online sketches and that sort of thing how we, everyone's just mucking in and there's no no one sort of guarding their territory of being like that, that isn't my job I don't do yeah. that everyone's doing everything you know that directors buying sandwiches for lunch because you know everyone's running around just mucking in I like that yeah. Are there any uh, things you remember from working on those three films that would make brilliant fodder for the, the trivia page of IMDb that people might not know about the production of those films? Oh, god, I don't know anything that uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't get me in trouble repeating um, Fair enough <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I think it was a bit of an eye opener seeing sort of how many, particularly sort of writers and, and versions of the script, even when you're almost in production of something, how nothing's ever... It's a real like rainbow situation with pages. With, yeah, yeah, and you'd sort of get, a, suddenly there'd be a new writer coming in to do a pass on. I mean, the um, the new Bond film uh, with yes. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is yeah. working on, and I think that sort of thing being like announced... I think it's always happened. It's just never quite been, you know, Phoebe you know, and it being a big... It's how- interesting because I suppose typically, like, the writing bit of a film, people always say, not necessarily always true, but, you know, films are directed medium and TV's a bit more of a writer's medium. And yeah. so writers don't tend to get announced when it comes to films because they do so often get overwritten, even quite, yeah. you know, famous or known ones. It's quite, it's quite something to kind of announce that because they're sort of locking themselves into being... And, she will have written the bulk of this, and yeah. this is going to have her fingerprints on it, which is yeah. a rare commitment, isn't it? Fans of Fleabag will go and yeah, yeah to the cinema to see a bomb film. And, <laughs> in those four quadrants. <laughs> <cinema>. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that was a bit of an eye opener, sort of seeing these writers, but like quite big writers coming yeah. in, and you'd be like, oh God, I didn't know that, that oh, they're yeah. written it. we're not getting yeah, that. Like, <laughs> um, uh, and also just sort of the turnover of of staff sometimes like creative roles where you suddenly be like oh now we've got a new art director yeah less so like Bridget was a a really lovely experience with them doing some of the sort of American films where like you know the producer like the main producer you just have never seen because it's not yeah on set every day was there a sense on that one of, like, getting the gang back together a bit? Because obviously it had been a while since the second one. But yeah. Was there a sense of it to try and preserve that kind of I creativity? think definitely it was, yeah, it was um, a lot of the cast coming back and a lot of, yeah, people that had done the first one. Um, and I think because it, it had been sort of, it almost happened at least once before yes. yeah, like the Yeah. one. felt like it was announced and around for a while. Yeah. And then, yeah, so it was sort of... A, I think people were were really glad that it was finally happening, that they were finally making it, and and yeah, it was a nice. It was a really good sort of first thing for me to do because it was a really lovely experience, even though it was knackering and you know you're not allowed a social life at all. But it was a really like happy, happy team, I think, and lots of friends with lots of people that that were on it, which is. Great so those three yeah. films what is that kind of take you off, it's kind of a two year period? um yeah about that yeah, because some of them were yeah, yeah, probably about two years and then from there um which is something I'd always sort of wanted to do again, it was uh working on on Bourne was the point where someone had said like, oh well, I'm off now, the production manager said that she was off to do uh, the new transformers, I think. And she said, oh, you know, do you want to come and join the team? Yeah. I sort of thought, no, like, I don't, again, it's I don't see my future. Being. You didn't want to, like, get on some Bayham. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I just didn't see my future being in Leavesden or yeah. in and and um, on those sort of big, big things. I think it just takes so much longer to progress. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I thought, nope. I'm going to try and get into that lovely, well-funded world of, of comedy. Yeah, and and so what what was what was the first thing? Um, what was the first thing I did? I did. Uh, I went in as a production secretary on um, Morgana Robinson's series for Two, the, oh, yeah. the agency. Yes. So that was great. Really lovely company. Love. Gone back to a few times as well. Happy Tramp. Um, Which again, Lucky Giant, Happy Tramp. Lucky Giant, Happy Tramp. (laughs) Um, And that was, yeah, great. Um, Lovely. Yeah, really nice experience. A lot, I felt like the right sort of move to leave those sort of big, ridiculous sound stages in, in Pinewood and actually be a lot closer to it. Yeah, and when you make that kind of transition, obviously... It's an industry where there's a lot of pigeonholing. People like to kind of go like, oh, you're the this person. Mm. So obviously comedy arguably is kind of a competitive bit within a largely competitive industry. What reservations, if any, did they have about you? How were you able to kind of make the case? Like, I know I've just come from something where people are kicking the shit out of each other, but now, you know, this is quite different. I mean, what, what did they see in you? What kind of case did you make for yourself? Did you have to make a case for yourself? I don't know. I think um I sort of benefited from it. it's always like particularly trying to find production staff, I think, in um in comedy because it's like you know, paid less than your big sort of high-end dramas and all of that. Yeah. I think um I sort of benefited from them being like, oh god, we need to put a team together, yeah. Who's available? Yeah. And uh, the guy the coordinator on board knew the um, coordinator on on the agency, so it was a sort of okay. a personal recommendation yeah. again. I sort of I realized the other day that all of my jobs had been sort of a knock on effect of recommendations, yeah, and, and knowing who people are from. Like the very first time I went for coffee with my mate who worked at NBC, yeah, through to I think he was only. Fairly read it's only when I joined the BBC. I think that that was actually just me applying for a job. <laughs> how often does it happen that there's actually like an open yeah process application. It's not only how, how it works, works. BBC. So. Yeah. so you sort of obviously on one hand that that can be quite off putting I guess for people kind of considering it. But I suppose mm-hmm. if there is a kind of plus side to that, clearly it's reputational, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of, you know, no I think people don't make recommendations lightly because yeah. they know it sort of comes on them in some yeah. way and so if, for someone to put you forward you know that, that's a big big thumbs up and stamp for approval hopefully yeah that yeah because if you recommend someone that's terrible you yeah to get a bad name yourself so yeah um but yeah yeah and was there anything about working in comedy that you were surprised by um I think I because the uh Happy uh, happy tramps run by Neil Webster and Ben Palmer. So Neil's a brilliant writer and producer, and Ben is um amazing comedy director he's done sort of did in between as he did uh, back for Mitchell and oh, recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, he um, um and I remember sort of watching him as a director working, realizing that everything was like quite forensically planned, and he knew. What shots he needed and all of it, and it sounds—I mean, it sounds so ridiculous to say—but but to think like, oh, actually, it's not just a group of mates winging it. Yeah, like we're all following exactly. Let's put a camera up, right? What could possibly go wrong? Just to suddenly go, oh god, no, you do need to be able to sort of coordinate this entire shooting through and cast yeah. and script and bring everything into, like you know, making the jokes. Yeah. And I think that was a bit of an eye-opener being like, oh God, it is like, it's hard work. (laughs) Yes. Um, So yeah, that was, I guess, a bit of an eye-opener for me. Um, And then, you know, you work with other directors that that don't plan it out and sometimes it works brilliantly and sometimes it doesn't. So I don't know, different ways of doing it. I think is sort of a bit of a, a rare case in how brilliantly planned and, how much of a grasp he has over everything? Yeah. Everything storyboarded, everything like you know worked out. And of all the TV programs you've worked on, what would you say you're kind of most proud of? Slash, have the kind of most sort of fun experience on? Um, I saw you look back with racing to glasses, don't you? Because um, <laughs> I did a, a show for Happy Tramp. We did an urban myth. Okay. Um, for Sky. Oh, for Scott? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Where it's like it famous people s- stories. Yeah. 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 yeah, like based in fact. Yes. And this was the first thing I coordinated and it was sort of a bit of a, it was a step up, um, but within a company I knew and it was um, a sort of one week shoot in Pinewood, which we couldn't afford. Like everything <laughs> was a bit of a challenge. Um, and it was a story of um, Muhammad Ali, apparently oh, talked yeah. someone out of... Yeah, a- I've, seen, I've seen that one. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, you did that in a week. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was quite yeah. epic. I mean, I know when Stop Breaking Down there's only a handful of sort of settings and things. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was a real, yeah, like a small cast, small crew, desperately trying to, like, with an eye on the budget all times, yeah. And because it was my first sort of thing stepping up to coordinate, I was... You know working really hard and really invested in it. Um, and we were sort of shooting Pinewood, which is about a two hour drive from where I live. So I ended up without, I sort of took it by myself to get a, a travel lodge down the road. Yeah, um, when the lime producer found out, she was just furious that I sort of spent my own yeah. money. Um, <laughs> and we, uh, yeah, sort of worked really long hours, really hard, really everyone really pulling together to make something I think I'm still really proud of it when I see it I think it's like brilliant um, comedy drama yeah um, some great performances and it looks as you say it looks it's looks filmic it really does it's it's a a great example actually I think of what that sort of strand is yeah I think if you're sort of giving people a sense of like what they're looking for yeah I don't know but that I think was one of the first ones that I saw yeah because yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of stuff like in the car park. It was in. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Kind um, of, but sort of. There's some pro tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was all on, on, filmed on the stage in Pinewood. And, and that sort of. Because Pinewood is so. Like, there's so much like legislation and like, you yeah, you can't do this and you can't. And um, we were sort of really. You know, we didn't have money for a, a unit manager yeah. or anything. but right. We still had like um, catering. So it was that thing of, like, me trying to work out what
1: <laughs> water
2: supply the caterers need. Yeah. normally they turn up and plug in. It's all... Yeah. All of this stuff I'd like, so had no idea about anyway, that we're yeah. sort of, you know, muddling out and me properly trying to... Like, when you're sort of trying to fix a car and pretend you know what you're doing, but... Uh, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm doing the things. If you're watching this, it looks like I'm doing Exactly. I probably yeah. need... Yeah. We need, like, a water thing. What are they called? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and sort of, you know, rubbish in the wrong place. So me and the production secretary, like lugging around these sort of horrible bin liners at 11 o'clock at night in Pinewood, like, you know, no one else will do it and we'll get fined if you leave them lying around in the wrong place. So it was a real everyone mucking in. Um, But I think, yeah, it's great to work on something, work really hard on something and then sit back and go, oh, it's amazing. Everyone's done an amazing job. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you're still working across TV projects, but increasingly you're sort of working in audio. And it's interesting how, I think, radio has always felt very separate from TV, but there's something about podcasts and how they operate that feels so much more compatible with television. Mm. and feels like a much more sort of fertile ground, I guess, for how ideas might be developed and sort of piloted. But sort of, I guess, kind of being a bit of a leader in the field, like what are your feelings about, You know, it is an explosion, it's a boom But what are some things you've worked on That you think are kind of interesting And where do you you think it's all going? I think, yeah, so recently Or, you know, comparatively Recently, like, big companies Have been sort of setting up Podcast divisions Yeah, I think that's really interesting Because there's no It sort of makes perfect sense Because if you're going to pilot something on TV You need hundreds of thousands of pounds If you're going to pilot Podcast, you need to pay people for their time, but beyond yeah. that, like everything you can buy, everything you need to make a podcast for less than 100 quid. Yes. So, I think podcasting very much case important but, uh, <laughs> yeah. on that end of it. But. but I mean, you can do everything in the studio, you can pay studio managers 50 quid an hour to, you know, yeah make everything sound brilliant, or you can just, you know, do it yourself and, and get it on its feet. And I think that is a real, um, really exciting for sort of the industry as a whole, the idea that you can say, right, I don't know, f- know, there are so many, there's um, a podcast called Dear Joan and Jerrica. Oh know, yeah, but, the um, Julia Davis and, uh, and Vicky Vicky Petit, 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 Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and that, I think like, if, if they pitch that as a treatment, I don't know, it's, do you know what I mean? People, yeah. Someone might have gone for it, but I think the they'd be like, well, what, where does it lead? What's the story? Yeah. Who's, you know, they have so much sort of interference in the top of being like, oh, what's the setting? You know? Yeah. All like notes, notes, notes. But for them to just be able to be like, we're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Put it out there and, you know, lo and behold, it works. It's really funny and they can work it out as they go. Yeah. I think that's a really exciting, exciting thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it just means that, you know, it's sort of, It's a really... It feels like really democratising. So, you know, you can... Artists can take back production. They're not waiting for someone to give them a green light or something necessarily. They can do what they want and there's no sort of fake level of success. It's either something... Everyone listens to it and it blows up or it doesn't. And I think that's... Surely that's the point, surely that's what we should be looking at in, in terms of what we commission, like something, if they, people can muck about and produce something, like the My Dad Broke Porno yeah. guys, you know, I'm sure they had no idea it would blow up into this enormous thing, but because it's good, because it's funny, because their relationship, because it, it just all works then you know deservedly they have yeah, you can never put any of exactly. that stuff on a treatment. Exactly. You know, yeah. like because you're right, it's about the relationships, it's about the absurdity. It's yeah. yeah, and and fundamentally being sort of unscripted in some ways yeah. as well. So yeah, you sort of it's less it's now more a game of who can actually do it, who can put the money where their mouth is, rather than who can write the best treatment and and sell it to someone. Yeah. Um yeah. Great, um, and what, what are you watching at the moment? What's your sort of your TV diet? Um, or even, you know, all podcast either right, as well. If yeah. And then any, you think I'm getting enough laughs of people to listen to particularly yeah. things you've worked on. Um, Well, I've, I've been having a bit of a... Because I'm sort of normally very... I worked at BBC for two, three years, and I've always been quite sort of brand loyal in terms of like, oh, yeah. if it's BBC comedy, I think we should know what it is, or BBC drama, and same with, yeah. you know, this, the the five main channels you s- I still have that thing of like oh well if it's on TV yes um, I feel that too yeah <laughs> um, but I've, I've just haven't done this for ages since Breaking Bad I think that we were watching um Unbelievable on Netflix yeah I've not seen it yet but it's yeah. great you've yeah. actually been recommended to me by someone else who was on once to watch ah. Lisa it said, it's amazing and we sort of started watching it and it's Tony um... Cut yeah yes which yeah, is great always, it, always a good time Yeah It's sort of I think seven or eight episodes And we'd seen a bit of it And it was good and we came back And watched another couple of episodes And then You know when you just can't Not watch the next one Yeah And it's like One in the morning And you need to be up Really early tomorrow Yeah But you can't You sort of look at it, Like when else Are we going to watch it So like, I haven't done that for ages When you sort of Go to bed at Three in the morning Because you've just had To finish a series Yeah um, So that was great it's very much feeding them. into that Netflix thing where they say they're only competition is sleep in the professional yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of ticking away being like, I'm gonna play the next episode <laughs> unless you do anything about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um so that was my that's why I'm currently tired. Um yeah. and there's another the, um Tim Robinson um Oh you should leave with Tim I Robinson. Leave, yeah. I think you should leave, that's it. Yeah, I loved that. It's great. And it's again that sort of thing where you think like I don't know who would have made this in yeah. this country. I don't and know such, who... like, interesting episode lengths as well. Yeah. Which means I end up watching kind of all of that in one go. You can, yeah. Because they were, like, what, 16, 17-minute episodes. Yeah, so they're not right. even, like, American broadcast half-hours. They're very short. Sure. Yeah. And because they're sketches, it's like, well, there's no reason to stop. Have you seen Detroiters? No. i highly recommend that. So oh. that was the sitcom we had just before... With um, Sam Richardson okay. You'll know from Veep yeah. Whose character's name I forget But they're two ad men In Detroit They've inherited their dad's firm yeah, yeah. But it's got that It's very I feel there's not enough Like silly, daft stuff And it is yeah. that And it is kind of You get the kind of laughs you get from I um, think you should leave It's re- it's really good mm-hmm. Unfortunately you got cancelled After two seasons But right. there were two amazing seasons Out there which okay. I would Highly really, but it's that sort of silly, like have you seen Stafflet's flat? Yes. Yeah. Again, it's just like um there's so much of that that you couldn't put on a treatment. Yeah. That you know, that character is so sort of I think in in the minds of, of, of Jack Demetra yeah. and, and the, the guys, it's sort of yeah, hard to explain why that will work. Yeah. As soon as you see it, like, oh, you know. Oh. Yeah. You almost want the human to be you know, ask me how staff would really react to this. Yeah, and I bet you they've got it. Whatever yeah. the thing is, like, and I think mean, like that that fully kind of lived in character, that you kind of can't really describe. But yeah, like, you, yeah, you, 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 you recognize. Right. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. kind of that there. And what are the programs that you feel that everyone else is seeing that you haven't? Like there's a blind spot yeah. that you sort of know you probably will see one day, or you should see, or maybe things you haven't seen. Like I'm never watching it, and this is why. Well, yeah, I was thinking about this. I was trying to work out what what my blind and I've got a few that are sort of like quite embarrassing for someone who works in comedy. And one of yeah. those things, you know when so I've never seen Seinfeld. Okay. And that's really yeah bad for someone working in comedy I think. It's sort of <sighs> until recently, given your age, like sort of inaccessible. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm old enough to have watched it on BBC Two, but even then it was on at eleven o'clock or midnight. Yeah. Um, uh paired with like the that was on the show, but I think if you didn't see it then, And it was semi recently been made available on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you make the commitment to buy a DVD box set of something you'd never it's seen? Like nine, essentially, nine series. Yeah, as well. You have just, had you seen any? Have you seen any like clips? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode, and it's that thing of. I think you know at the time when it was passing by, I was like, oh well, yeah. And then the amount it comes up, Everyone's saying because it's. Yeah, Yeah, very good, by all accounts. (laughs) I mean, it is, I don't, yeah, certainly don't need one white man heartily recommending Seinfeld to another (laughs) one on a podcast, but it is good. But it's it's interesting that it's still referred to, like, a lot in comedy. Yeah, debatably that might not be a good thing, as good as it is. I think when you're sort of trying to develop something and you're working out a character, it comes up as a point of reference quite a lot. That's People saying, like, oh, it likes so-and-so in Seinfeld. I don't know if that's good. No, I'm not really my, sure. i And, I, like, because it, it's brilliant, but it, it's not... It would feel, I mean, maybe not that relevant, because I think it turns out that, hey, your new friends is, like, the end of will last forever. But it does feel a bit reductive to maybe have your touch points to be 20 years old Yeah, in some way. Yeah, Like, you know, we were talking off mic earlier about, like, what, what do young audiences want, necessarily? Yeah. They might not want a Kramer analogue <laughs> in what they're watching in 2020. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So do you think you ever uh, you ever will? I mean, have you seen like her in enthusiasm? Yeah. yeah. And again, it's sort of a lot of my um, like growing up references and sort of when I was a teenager and when I'm getting into comedy, it's all on the whole British. Yeah. Because that was what I think we didn't have. We had, you know, channels 1 to 5. We didn't have Sky or anything yeah. when um, back in the days of sort of dial-up internet you know you wouldn't watch anything on the internet you wouldn't you know um, so I think a lot of my references are very sort of British and I yeah. got that you know when uh, I went to uni rather than expanding my repertoire I sort of really double dive deep yeah. into your peep shows and your uh, The Office and Partridge and that sort of thing so yeah. you can know Uh Maybe I should have a wider knowledge rather than an encyclopedic knowledge of certain things. I think it's good to have UK knowledge of family reference because I think that is going away mm. slightly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's kind of... You sort of mentioned three shows there, Peep Show and, uh, and, and Partridge and, and things like that. And it's like, well, where, where where, are the next kind of, like, sort of big hits? And I think, you know, we have some fantastic stuff recently, obviously, like, sort of like Dairy Girls, which I actually... Yeah. Think Capture the imagination and kind of come talking points, but I see now I'm saying this out loud, I'm probably missing something really obvious. But it's like, where are the sort of talking point comedies outside? Everything else is coming in like a nick of now. I've said that feels terrible because I'm wrong. No, I think well, it's interesting because there's such a wider choice isn't there yeah such and i think i mean obviously feedback jesus but you know what i mean but i think feedback is a a specific different case and even when that's two series and yeah there won't be any more you know like and all my parents haven't seen it which i think is kind of whereas i think yeah yeah and i think things are i don't know how long staff will run for they've done two series i don't know at what point um you know they'll get too busy or Jamie Dimitri wants to do something else. Like, it's... what I always think about staff is that like, I, I wonder. I don't know what the term for it's like. If that had been on BBC Two, mm. you could sort of see a, a world in which that might go to BBC One mm. in time. Yeah, so I think it's. I think it's got that yeah. potential appeal, but yeah, I wonder whether. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Again, thinking out loud. But again, it's a sort of yeah, something like Friday Night Dinner, which is. I think they're just making the six series now. I think. Yeah.
0: I think kind of a sort of. long break.
2: Yeah. 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 But those shows that sort of keep coming back, yeah. unless they're, I don't know, it's interesting, isn't it? Stuff sort of almost feels like it's two, three series and then out onto the next thing. Yeah. And, you know, if someone like David Roy Bridget for the next thing is Killing Eve, then you know, yeah, fair enough. Like Yeah, that's what <laughs> quite like, like in the UK, like nothing's ever really cancelled or gone away. Mm. It's because everything is typically authored. Yeah. It's like, well, when you know, a gap comes in there, sort of timetable, they'll maybe come back another one. Yeah. And not, not, not very few things are successful feel like they've gone for good. Yeah. 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 Particularly with, you know, you're still open all hours and stuff coming back. And God, yeah, I mean that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, but for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what what you're looking forward to? What what's coming out that you sort of excited about? Ooh, um,
0: oh, um, I don't know. It's
2: all um, I guess it's always quite exciting to see something like Friday Night Dinner um, yeah. coming because that's a I love that. It's sort of I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only. Uh, Sibling in the country, or things so yeah. like that is my relationship with my yeah. brother. I'm sure everyone <laughs> thinks the same. Um, so to see like a show like that, I think they were they're rehearsing or something, and someone put something on on Twitter today, yeah, and, like you know, rehearsals and you something. Oh, great, brilliant! That's something to look forward to, yeah. Um, what else is coming back? Something on like very soon, that I'm thinking today can't remember there's there's some good stuff some good stuff well you've got some good stuff coming like if people want to check out your work or follow you or see where you're at on, yeah. on social media like what what have you got coming out here? um so i'm working at the moment on a podcast uh that i made uh, eight episodes of earlier this year uh with a comedian called jake Pawley and it's um for bbc sounds it's called jake Pauly on drugs and he's a comedian and a sort of recreational drug user and the idea is that he you know to take someone who makes jokes about drugs and takes drugs on the weekend to actually fit him to learn a bit about the scene so that was great like I've never made anything factual before that was brilliant to sort of do a, a very non-patronizing documentary is what we're hoping to make so yeah. sort of yeah actually reflecting the scene from people on the ground rather than this sort of big lofty BBC camera. Yeah. Like here I am, I've come to visit your world with a truck yes. dealer wearing a balaclava. Like yeah, you know, that sort of that yeah. sort of <laughs> stuff. Um so yeah, so that's keeping me busy at the moment. Um and then lots of hopefully tentative things, that sort of fun development world where you have six meetings about something and never know if it's ever gonna be made or or just forever exists. Well, I'm Your sure, imagination.
1: I'm sure they will, 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 will
2: watch this space. Yeah. Thank you so, so much, Nick. Thank for you for joining us today. And uh, thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Get With the Programme. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to our website, www.thetvfestival.com, or you can find out more about the network or wants to watch on our Twitter and Instagram pages. at the network underscore tv or at wants to watch underscore tv we'll have more episodes coming very soon but in the meantime there's plenty in our archive for you to listen to thank you again and we'll see you soon bye